In our culture, we learn through stories. But what if the stories we hear don't match the reality of life? What if the stories we hear every day that tell us how to write the narrative of our lives actually lead us to a false narrative? My name is Tim Kroll, and on this podcast, you will hear real stories. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Real people sharing the hard times, the bends in the roads along life's journey. If you're ready to join a community of other real people who are writing the narrative of their lives, then go to narrative.live and join the community. Now let's dive into today's show. Once again, oh my goodness, we were talking in the green room basically right before we started recording. We're having a lot of fun. So it's going to carry into this. The energy is going to happen. I'm, I'm actually really, really grateful for that. Travis, we met through a mutual friend, Steve, who's also the founder for Narrative. You guys have linked up through your work area, the industry. And I, so I don't know that much about you other than we've talked just briefly. For the audience, would you mind just kind of doing what we would call the elevator pitch, but not about what you do, about I, like I, if I wanted to get to know Travis, give me the elevator pitch on Travis, not on what you do. Okay. Um, I am, well, was. I, growing up, a very uh, energy-filled kid. I uh, was always, I, I was never like a class clown or anything in trouble or anything. But yeah, I, if you can tell, I'm, I'm a fast talker. I Once I get into things, I, I don't shut up. So I was just always one of those loud kids. Gosh, I went into college, dropped out. After my freshman year, because I played way too much World of Warcraft, <laughs> um, I went right into uh, slinging pizzas uh, at a Massey's Pizza here in Central Ohio. Started to deliver pizzas, went and worked at Best Buy for a while. I, I, I've always gravitated towards tech. That's why I love Best Buys. But then... What about your family? My family, so I uh, come from... Uh, a pretty big family. Uh, n- maybe not my immediate family, but then the extended family. I've got uh, family vacations. Uh, if it's not 90 people, it's 100 people that go on our family vacation. <laughs> uh, I've, I've got two two older brothers, uh, Shane and Rick Carnute. Uh Rick is actually the second. That's my father's name as well. So he's senior. And then we have my other brother who's junior. And then uh, my mother, Leah. Uh, I'm also uh, married. I have a, a amazing wife uh, who actually met at church camp and we have two beautiful daughters uh, i have a about to be 13 year old and one that just turned eight yeah so you got a 13 going on what 23 33 very 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 much so (laughs) i see a little Uh, captain marvel in the background and a little comics a little uh, oh yeah you know i'm an i'm definitely a nerd i i i don't think i have missed a comic book wednesday since 2006 nice Nice. Uh, yeah, I, it, nerd culture is, is definitely part of uh, who I am uh, fundamentally. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. So let's let's jump into this whole aspect. And again, with the false narrative of what were the things that you believed uh, before you entered into your adulthood, things that you were trained, things that whether you saw somebody tell you that or you just adapted from society or you watched it exampled for you. Like, what were some of those narratives that you believed right before you were ready to step into adulthood? What was that childhood like stepping into that? There's nothing I can complain about that I had to. My parents raised me in the church. Uh, my father, also, you know, very just A plus businessman. I mean, he's the kind of guy that everybody wants to do business with. You know, he, he built everything on the principle that the customer may not always be right, but the customer is the key. My father really instilled in me that uh, <coughs> hard work will go really far if, if 
it, but it's not going to be instant. Uh, you're going to have years that that do suck and, and everything. So that was always instilled at me at an early age. I was always very an impressionable kid um, when it came to that. And my father always made sure to to very much uh, immerse me in, into that culture. I remember he took me to – he one time he worked in one of the high-rises in uh, downtown Columbus. And I remember going up – he was on one of the top floors looking down and all the cars looked like little micro-machines. And, you know, I just – I always wanted to be in business, honestly, since that day. day. That's, that's probably one of the memories that's embedded in me uh, the most. So it's – I never – Grew up in a financial situation that was better than most, and I realized that. I've never preached, uh, oh, it's just, it's, I feel like if I were to preach how easy something would be, it would be very uh, hypocritical of me. But I grew up with a successful father, always instilled in me also the belief that if a lot is given to you, you need to give a lot away, which I 100% am behind. I, I hope more people in our industry and just in business o- overall want to be successful so they can actually help others not for the success. What were some of the hard things? Uh, Because these are awesome. I mean, like, and I know a lot of us, there's a lot of good things, like you said, but in every life, whether it was a normal childhood or an average childhood or what you felt like was a relatively easy childhood, there's always challenges. What were the challenges? My biggest challenge that I had growing up as a kid was I was born with Tourette's, so it's it's always been something that at a younger age, I would get made fun of in elementary. Looking back now, like, I realize they were making but I, I, I just, I was oblivious to it. It, it would just, it kind of, it's always just kind of rolled right past me, but it wasn't until probably junior high, it's when I started to get uh, really bad with my, uh, my tics. So I probably would go every single day to the nurse's uh, station get to get some kind of Tylenol, something like that for headaches and stuff. So, you know, the, it, it was always more of a, and as I got older, I never actually got like ridiculed or anything for it. So it was always just the physical pain of it. It really never hindered, you know, what I thought I could do in my life. I've just, I've, I've always thought, you know, it's, it's, it, this is part of me. Um, it, it's always going to be part of me. And I kind of, learned that as I got older, because when I got older, and as happens with most uh, people with Tourette's, my, my daughter actually has it as well. As they get older, it tends to around their teenage years, that's when it's the worst. And so it, I felt like, okay, well, I got most of my worst behind me. And, and now it's all, it, it's all things I can deal with. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt. I don't get it. How, how did that affect your identity? How did that affect your self worth? How did it impact who you thought you were going to be? Or did um, it? It really didn't. I, I I always made it a point. I I was one of those kids that was just I was friends with everybody in school. I, I, it doesn't matter if you were the 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 ones doing pot around the corner or if you were the football players, the basketball players. I mean anybody. I was just I was just a friendly person. I I attribute that probably to how impressionable I was. I was around church a lot, and I feel like in those situations, especially children that are raised in the church, you either get closer to it as you get older, or you go to the complete opposite, which uh, to have two older brothers that I, they'll probably be the first to admit they did the opposite. Luckily, you know, things are different now, but I was just always one of those kids that it just common sense made sense to me. And so I've just kind of always gone around that realm. And now, I, you know, with my Tourette's, uh, OCD has been an issue. And so there, you know, I've gone, I've had some anxiety in the past. I don't want to say depression, but it's one of those things where when you get stuck doing the same thing for like 10 minutes, it's like, 
man, this sucks. uh, So that became worse as I got older. When I got into energy is probably when things started to slowly get worse. I I put myself into a, a family business that it was great for my growth. And I, de- I learned a lot about the, the business side of things very quickly. Um, if anybody that's listening has been in energy before, it's a fun beast. It's, it's not like most things. Uh, it's, you deal with a lot of, you deal with more bad during the year than you do good just because of the, I mean, the f- case in point, one year when weather got really bad out in Texas and you know everything started to shut down. I mean, you hear about companies that were buying gas one day for $3 and the next day we were buying it for $9,000. So it's a lot of heartburn. So I dealt with that for probably 15 years. Uh, I hated it. I, I, I never wanted to go in into, into energy, energy, but I wanted to go work for my dad because I, in my eyes still, uh, after working for him for so 17 years now almost, I will stand by the fact that he is the best leader that a human could ask for. I, I everything that I try to do as a leader, it's a lot of it's modeled after him. Yeah, uh, had a great had a great upbringing. So when initially I was asked to you know come on the podcast and and I thought about you know what's this false narrative? I don't know if I had a false narrative per se, but it's one of those things that success can breed laziness. And that happened to me personally for probably 10 years. I got very, very comfortable uh, doing the bare minimum. And it didn't take until basically, uh, so at one point, probably three years ago, a lot of the financial institutions, just they just completely pulled out of energy. So a lot of these companies were turning a profit every single month, us being one of them. But when your bank says you're done, you're done. Uh, that's this. A, a lot of these companies, you know, you, you could have anywhere between twenty to one hundred million dollars a day in a line of credit that you have to hedge. I mean, you're you're watching it every hour of the day. So it's, it's one of those instances where everything came tumbling down. So wait, wait, wait. Let's let's look at this here. So you had a pretty successful uh, run there, and then I mean, maybe that was one of the beliefs that you had is that it's always going to be this way, and so that's why you got comfortable. I would say yes, but and it was one of those things that I did not have until I was more an adult. So I mean, not more. I mean, I was in my mid twenties, kind of when the sedentary lifestyle really started to kick in for me. Gotcha. But I still think that's a that's a really key element because it, it does lead into some of the aspects of what you were raised around success. And you just thought like, again, you're hesitant to say this because you're like, well, I, I know it's going to take a lot of work and whatever. But previously, it sounded like it came pretty easy. And then that was and I, I might be putting thoughts or words, but it sounded like it was all of a sudden it came crashing down. You're like, oh, here's my wake up call. Here's my challenge of I thought it was always going to be this way. And it's not exactly, you know, and I always thought that at first, I started out in sales. I quickly and everyone around me quickly learned Travis should not be doing sales. Um, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> Giving I, away the I, farm I, or just to get into- <laughs> I, I, I really like I, I love the administrative work. I, I really like to handle data. Uh, and it's a reason why if you look at, so I do marketing now, which I always loved to do design as a kid. You know, I was always in graphic design and stuff. And, you know, when I was a kid, it was actually part of computer lab. So, you know, I, I grew up actually learning these things and that, you know, kind of taught myself what I, I still never went back. I, the furthest I got in my college career was an associate's degree. And I, that was 10 years ago. And I just, so, so now I'm doing marketing, but I, if you look at what I do, I, I put a lot of numbers. I like to use statistics because I think that numbers that 
it, as long as you can support those numbers, they, it, t- it tells the big picture and it, it really shows gotcha. the facts. So, you know, I've always been a very analytical person. So ops was just a perfect slot for me. You know, I got to the point where, you know, the machine kind of ran itself for a while. We automated a lot of things. When you do something and it works for so long, sometimes you don't notice when it starts to go bad and when you should start course correcting. And this was one of those things personally for myself. I just, I let it go for too long. And so when the ship finally burned down, I was like, hmm, I I spent so long not doing anything, I didn't learn how to do anything. Uh, Wow. (laughs) If that makes sense. Kind of does, actually. You know, and here's where I'm going to start tying my faith into the whole process. About eight to 10 years prior to kind of everything crashing, we we got into a, I mean, and everybody told us from the get-go, don't invest any money into this venture. We, we got into a very, very local, I mean, it's maybe, it was a telecom company that just serviced parts of central Ohio. But me loving tech, I, it was one of those things that if I was doing anything over that 10-year span where I, where I was super lazy, it was really centered towards this telecom product. I've always enjoyed tech ever since I was a kid. So uh, this, you know, it started to spark my imagination. And and so about a year prior to everything else falling, I decided to go all in. I switched over to pretty much just focusing on, all right, how do we how do we further this product? How we how do we build this brain and make it bigger? And so when everything kind of fell down, it gave me it, nothing will challenge a person more than having something be their main identity for 15 years and then overnight it's gone. Can I pause you on that? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think this is key, especially as men. And if the men are listening, I think they're going to resonate with exactly what you just said. Too often our identity becomes what we do, right? And that's, I think what you're referring to is saying, my identity was this for 15 years and all of a sudden it was gone. So can you dive into that a little bit deeper and kind of express why your identity was tied into that, and then how it felt when it was just completely gone. Like you mentioned earlier, I got so comfortable and I just thought it was going to always be there. So I never pursued any of my passions. I I didn't try to grow in areas where I always had like a a spark of interest uh, because I would just, "Eh, why change what's working? Uh, Because what's working is, I'll be honest, it was pain. You know, I had a very very good lifestyle. I, I, we definitely brought in more than we probably even needed. And so when you get comfortable with that situation, I just never tried any self-development. I was fine with just coming in, sitting down at my computer, entering in the data that I needed to. You know, I was good at my job, though. I mean, it, 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 that's not to say that I, I got bad at my job, but my job just stopped being as demanding and, no challenge, and I'm finding, and I know now, especially after the last three years, because we're, we're we're almost three years into this now, of going all in. And what changed it for me was my wife. Everything crashed down around us. Me, she's she's an amazing optimist. Uh, my wife, Holly, by the way, she's uh, love her. She has always known where my passions were, and I felt that this was my time to put my money where my mouth is and to finally follow something I wanted to do. And, and I felt, and I felt the conviction so much because, you know, I, as a man of faith, I, I had those, I had those talks with God, like it, if this is something that's worth doing, put it on my heart, put it on Holly's heart. And 
I remember the conversation sitting in the kitchen of our old house. And I said, I'm pretty sure I want to go all in. Uh, at this point, uh, I was fired from the old job. But uh, when, uh, when a bank comes in, they come in hard and they make everybody go bye-bye. Uh, and with that, you know, fortunate for us, there's certain tax benefits for 401ks in these situations. And so we were able to keep a little bit more than we wouldn't have been able to. So I asked her, can we take this money? Let's invest it into this company because there were certain things that the company needed. And I was just ready to go all in. And I couldn't even finish the sentence. I actually didn't even get through. That was the idea of what I was going to say to her. And she said, let's do it. Whatever you want to do, I'm with you 100%. And I think that every man needs that. Uh, my, my wife was the turning point for me. Not that I ever thought that she wouldn't. She interrupted me and she just, she knew. So I knew that it was also something God had put on her heart. I went all in. I, I put my entire life savings into this company. I brought some amazing people to what was an already amazing team. And things have really blown up for us. God has delivered where we have put all of our faith so far. And the thing is, when we first started out, it wasn't me just asking that of my wife. It, my, my team that wanted to come over too knew how things were, but they also wanted to be all in on that vision. Gosh, as, 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 a, as a leader of an organization, I, I, I've never felt more of a familiar feeling with the people that I work with now, where before, I think 90% of our staff at the energy company, we had a lot of family at our energy company. It's it's less so now, but I feel that the bond now, because of what we went through and, you know, it, it, it didn't just crash down on me. Everybody got fired. I mean, seven, we had a 70 employees and, and God took care of so many people. Like I, I, I could, I could see his hand now, now looking back far removed from everything. And, and, I think if you were to interview anybody that that happened to, I think 90% of them are, gosh, they're just flourishing. And I, I think that's proof that God will take a... Can we wind back the clock here just yeah, a minute? Yeah. Let's wind, let's wind it back because you get the news, everything's gone. Like literally yeah. everything's gone. What's going on in Travis's mind at that exact moment? And here's the reason why I want to dive into that part just for just a, a couple minutes here. One is... I know because I've had and I've been in those situations and they wake up the next day and you're just, I mean, you're reeling emotionally, mentally, physically, sometimes you're just reeling. So take me back to that one moment because we're talking about the success afterwards, but there's some people that are listening that could be right at this exact moment. Somebody just called them up and said, hey, I'm letting you go or their business just burnt to the ground or something just happened. Talk to that person and tell them kind of what was going on in your mind at that exact moment when you got that call. That you were that you were yeah. done. I sound so calm about it now, but I'm no. That's I, from I was, healing, and that's good. Exactly, and then, and that's and that's you know I'm almost three years removed from that moment, but no, it was it was bad because uh, to speak back to that identity crisis as a especially as a man, I've got two kids, I've got a wife, I, I've got a house, I got to worry about. You know, I, I it's instantly whoa. Now my income's gone what do I do? And so it was, no, it was, it was 100% freak out mode for me because I, because I want, I need to take care of my family. I I have to, I have to be able to provide and my source of being able to provide was gone literally overnight. And yeah, I cried. I, I, I yelled. I, I was very angry. Uh, I was angry at God. 
that was a very dark time. And it just happened to also coincide with a family vacation that we had planned a year prior uh, driving out to Wyoming. And so at this time, only myself and my wife, had known, I, I don't want, and, and now my kids kind of know about it. Like I never, not, my kids never knew what was going on. I didn't want to put that on them, but you know, at the time it was just my wife and I and her entire family. And, you know, we did, we, the week after I got the news, uh, you know, it was already all paid for. Luckily we've been pretty frugal most of our lives. Uh, so it, I was someone that was able to fall back on a savings, uh, which, which isn't, what a lot of people are able to do. But, you know, I took that time. We we went out to Wyoming for 16 days. It was perfect until the ride back. We had three KOAs we were supposed to stay at on the way back. All three of them were flooded, and two of them had boil warnings. And, it, I mean, driving down the road, pulling my cameras, I'm so done with this stupid trip. I want to be home. Uh, I'm crying. I've always been, a, I've always been an emotional person. So, you know, my wife would say, I, I, I am definitely the first person to cry. So I was crying. It was, you know, I was, it, the high of the trip was worn off and I was driving back to reality. And so, you know, it, it took probably about a month of trying to figure out what I was, the plan was to come into the telecom. Now, what do I do? How do I do it? So it's, you know, it's starting from scratch again. And it's, uh, to, th- to make matters worse, we, we were in the middle of this process of getting fired. We were, we had just closed on a construction loan for, our, for a new house. And we had, we had just put our, our current house up for sale. So everything couldn't have fallen apart at a worse time. But we, we, you know, we sold the house. We moved in with my parents for a year, uh, which was, Fortunate because, you know, for the first year, I didn't take a a paycheck whatsoever. I just dumped everything I could into building the business, getting our brand out there. It was all worth it. And something I don't I I think it's God uh, gave me the foresight in the beginning to just dive in. As long as I don't go into the mentality that I did before, getting lazy about it, things are going to be okay. So I think that's really been my driving factor is uh, I've got a team that went in with me, which just, I'll take a bullet from my team. Some of them are my family. My my brother is my right-hand man. I mean, he's... My brother Josh is he's he's a brother from another mother, but we have known each other. Uh, I actually knew him before I ever met my wife, uh, which is I mean, this is over 20 years ago. So he's one of those people. He, he weaseled his way into my my parents will as well. I mean, he's one of those people. Um, yeah. So it's uh, it, I'm, I'm running and we actually were just on a podcast together. It's when you run a business with your best friend, it, it can get really fun. And so it's, you know, that we're, we're just, we're keeping it fun. We're just making sure everybody is, is not so stressed out. And, and we, we were fortunate to, for a long time, we were able to grow slowly and we didn't have to worry too much about customer attrition because of some, some very amazing clients we got early on. So we were, we were definitely blessed to start. And so where other companies may not be able to build slower and they really need to get the income coming in quick, we were able to think more strategically. So I think that has led to a huge part of our success. And so when, when everybody else came over and we got, we, we brought over some really, really amazing minds to this company, uh, everything just kind of blew up. So it's, it's, uh, let's talk about that for just a second. Like what, cause you mentioned that you, you are very, very disciplined at this point and being able to say, I don't want to go back to that because the lessons learned. So what are the practices that you're doing currently to make sure that you don't go back to the comfort zone, the laziness, the, you know, nonchalant activity, 
activities and the mundane kind of stuff? What are the practices that you're doing right now? And I think this is something that every leader should do in every organization. You need to, and this is going to sound bad at first, but then I'll, I'll expand on it. Fill your organization with no people. If you have a yes person at every corner, everything you want is going to go through. And my brother will be the first one to tell you, I have had some very, very stupid ideas. And he will, nope, we're not, we're not going to do that. Because Travis, calm down, calm down. I know you're really excited. Pump the brakes. Here's why it's a bad idea. And this really goes with kind of who you are as a person. You have to be able to take that criticism so if you're if you're going to surround yourself with people that are going to tell you no, you need to be able to think at it critically and not take offense because it's going to happen. But then you also need to make sure that the people that you surround yourself with are also no people and you need to be able to tell them no. It's something that everybody is a little hesitant at first. And so you just kind of got to rip the Band-Aid off. So I, I have always just tried to – I am so – open and honest and transparent with my team. When I first kind of came into it all, I was the rookie. President of our company is my mentor and has been for like 12 years. I mean, he's my, I tell you, the, the two the two business mentors are my father and Terry Madden, who is the president of our company. And so, you know, when I came in, I was, I, I, and I've always been that way. I, I, I'll just, I, I tell everybody, it's, it's my Tourette's, just don't worry about it. I, I like to blame a lot of things that people are like, okay, so, dude, just calm down. I have Tourette's, you, you're not allowed to, not allowed to question that. Just let me be me. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I've always been like that with my team. And, and, and a lot of the times it, it actually causes them to say, okay, because I'm so upfront and honest with them, they, they know when to tell me no. And, and I think every team needs to have that. But I didn't always have that, and 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 I never had that at my last job. I think it's not until you're very vulnerable and you learn so many ways to not do business, and I did. I had 15 years of making very stupid decisions, and I also think if you have a little bit of extra skin in the game, that's why I think that more leaders should be more involved with their company. I, I mm, made absolutely. A point. I, I'm not. I'm not a genius. My 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 CTO is probably the smartest guy I know. I feel very stupid as soon as he walks into the room, but uh, <laughs> I, I know how each department runs, I, I, and I know enough to be dangerous in situations. And I, I and that's kind of kept me in check because now I'm more aware of everything. And I think if you're more aware of everything, it, it kind of keeps you. I know hyper focus more on your toes and and Humble. maybe for my maybe for my anxiety that's not the best every single day but it it works for me and <laughs> yeah, I, and I tell my wife and my wife and my wife will be the first one to like I think I sleep probably maybe four to five hours a night now, but I've never had more energy. I'm taking my health a lot more seriously. So when all this first started, I also left out. I had two uh, minor heart attacks. Scariest thing in my life. I at actually, the same time that you lost everything. Yep. So, so you lost I'd, financial, you lost your emotional stability you know, with the identity, you lost your physical ability, you lost everything. I mean, that that's a trifecta. And and and, and, and that was probably also built into why I had kind of such a coming of God moment uh, during the whole thing is my first heart attack, the doctor will say it was, uh, what did he say? I, I had a, an acute cardiac episode and I was actually at a men's Christian conference. It's called Man Up. They do it in Hawking uh, County uh, around Old Man's Cave. If anybody's familiar, actually Forbes just named Old Man's Cave one of the top 10 places in America to visit. So go to Hawking. Anyways, I digress. Uh, So I was at this, at a Christian's conference the first time I had my heart attack. You think I would learn at, at least at that point to slow down and try to calm down, try to see the bigger picture. No, 
Six months later, I, I, I got number two. Uh, that one put me down for a while. I, I, had, I took probably about two and a half, three weeks off from work. Had a lot of bruising in my chest. So it, it, I don't think that God does that to people, but I think God uses those moments to kind of, come on, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, we really, do it to ourselves and the stress and everything exactly. else. That's going and so, and, and, yeah. and, and, and I've always been a, a thinker of that. We do most of our growing when we're suffering and sometimes we need extra suffering because we weren't paying attention the first time. And that was me. I quickly learned to start taking everything very seriously because anything could happen. And I've got a wife and kids. I've got a, a whole community here that, that I love that I, a lot of people can't afford for me to to have another heart attack, yeah. and so it's uh, it's a uh, it's a good feeling uh, to have that kind of love and support, uh, not just from your immediate family, but knowing that I build up a tribe that right. that has my back that much, and and I have their back. So it's it, it's really been crucial, especially during that whole time. I think. Yeah. That, so um, let's let's go ahead and wrap up with what yeah. is the one thing that's either on your heart, or if you if people have been listening, what's the one thing that you really want to share? Like, and, and we'll try to keep it to like 30 seconds to a minute because I know you like to talk, so we'll keep it short. <laughs> I really do, and I'm sorry. I went on so many tangents. Thank you for interrupting me. I'm glad we, we talked about that. So I'm going to put this in perspective if, if I'm talking to myself at 20. I would have just told myself to do what you love. And I wanted to do technology my whole life, and I didn't. Um yeah, that's that's what it be. I, I I think more people should do what they love. I, I I know sometimes people can't afford to. Sometimes you can just start doing stuff on the side. Uh, just people yeah. need to be doing what they love, and they need to have a passion. Have a yeah. passion. Yeah, I love that. Love that. So if somebody resonates with your story, I know that you we've talked about this off air about the Tourette's and you started a group inside of your industry. And like, I love the idea of what you're doing. I, do. I, I, I text those guys every single day. I love yeah. it. <laughs> so but if somebody else has, uh, you know, they resonate with your story, how can they get in touch with you? How would you like them to connect with you? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm going to be the only person with this name that you can find. It's just type in Travis Kernute. It, it's <laughs> I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes. Uh, I'll, I'll, be the only one. I'll even put the it's, link. It's got it's got the orange background. That's me. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. Gosh, what? Or sorry, I'm also on X. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, that's and new. if you just type, same thing, just type in Travis Cranute. It, it's you'll be able to find me. Google Travis Cranute. Anyway, that I put it. If you want to be, get in touch with me, I'm very easy to get in touch with. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Travis, I, I first of all, thank you. I know there's a lot of stuff that we covered kind of quick, a little bit of rabbit trail here and there, but it's all been good because this is the story of our lives. This is what yeah. we're creating. This is the narrative that you're writing. Um, and it's healthy for us to be able to kind of go back and reflect on some of the challenges that we've had and the ability to grow from that and then just becoming where you're at at this time. And then I love the fact that you were able to go back and talk to yourself at 20 and just be able to share some some of that stuff. So those that are listening, first of all, if, if this is the first one, make sure you go back and listen to more. We've got over 20 different stories. Go back. And they're so good. Listen to them. <laughs> so we've got more. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe, hit that button. But until the next one comes out, I love to hear from you if this has resonated or touched you in any way. And whether you reach out to me or to Travis, it doesn't matter, either one of us, but let us know how we've impacted your life. And until next time, keep writing your story. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the author of your story? Take the next step now at www.narrative.live and enter your details to connect with a community of others just like you that are tired of living under the false narrative. 
finding your true story and writing your narrative, it will give you clarity, freedom of your day, and it just might change your life forever.